When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. If you think you're repeating yourself, um, then that might just be a time when the players are starting to get it. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today I'm joined by a very special guest today. I've got Tom Curtis with us. Tom is currently working with the England youth teams as a national national coach. Um, how are you, Tom? I'm good, thanks, Yas. Yourself? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Tom, not going to waste any time. just want to get straight into the heart of it. How did you get started with your coaching journey? Um, how did I get started? Well, I'm 47 now. Um, to I... think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a good number, yeah. I, I was a player, so I, I played um, professional football from um, 18 when I started at Derby County mm-hmm. and a number of number of different clubs. Eventually, um, finished around about sort of 36, 37. I tried to play as long as I could, really enjoyed playing. It was, it was my life, it was what I was about. Um, and I guess when I when I finished, or even before I finished, I was always thinking about how I can sort of stay in the game mm. in some capacity. So whilst I was uh, whilst I was still playing um, on a part time basis, or to the back end of my career, I started to play a bit of non league football at a club called Nunny and Borough, and also played at a club called Alfton Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whilst I was doing that, I was um, I, I was working at uh, Derby County in their academy. Right. Yeah, a, a job. My first job at Derby was with the under 11s. Um, so I had that team for a couple of years whilst I, you know, continued to play part time football. And I also managed to, whilst I was, you know, t- again towards the back end of my career, I managed to get a, a full time job in coaching at Loughborough University. Mm-hmm. So I was the head coach at Loughborough University. Um, I was still playing some part time football for Nuneaton and Alfreton. And I also had a job at Derby County coaching the under 11. So actually that, that period between sort of 34 through to um, 40, I was really, really busy with coaching. Mm. Um, I just want to take you back to the start of your, you know, your, your playing journey, particularly yeah. you sort of touched on Derby County, you played for a host of clubs, including Portsmouth, Chesterfield, uh, just to name a couple there. How was that? How was that? You know, and how, what are the biggest comparisons you've seen from maybe coming through as a young player now and possibly the, I guess, the journey that it may be for a young player coming through now. Yeah, well, I mean, I started at Derby when I was 18. I was, I was, I was sort of at school when, when Derby showed, showed a bit of an interest and I was halfway through my A-levels. 
Mm. Um, um, they, they wanted me to come and join straight away and sort of join the, the, the YTS programme as it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my mum was really keen for me to continue and finish off my uh, finish off my A levels, and I suppose that's that, that sort of st- stuck with me really in terms of sort of my values. I, I do like to finish things off and, and and you know not jump from one thing to another. So yeah. <laughs> I stayed on at school, finished my A levels, and then was fortunate enough to be offered a professional contract at Derby when I was uh, when I was eighteen by a guy called Arthur Cox, who was the then uh, uh, Derby County manager. Um, the youth team coaches there were fantastic. Um, there's a guy called Richie Williams uh, and a guy called Jerry Summers who were the youth team coaches, and they showed a lot of uh, faith in me in, in in terms of I was playing in the youth team while still studying at school. So I'd, I'd study at school, uh, and then in the holidays I'd go and join the rest of the scholars and, and train. Uh, yeah. But I suppose when I was at school, I'd, I'd, I'd train with the schoolboys actually on a Thursday night with Richie whilst the rest of the under-18s were in full-time. And then I'd managed to turn up on the Saturday and, and, and be involved in the team. So, you know, I was really fortunate to, to, to have that opportunity. Um, and, and that was down to those two coaches. And I, again, those two coaches had a really big influence on, my, on, on me as a person in terms of their enthusiasm, in terms of their knowledge of the game. Um, you know, really great guys, really... Um, really knowledgeable, really enthusiastic, knew, knew a lot about youth development. Even though at the time, I never knew they knew, you know, never knew any of this, this stuff. But sort of on reflection, you look back and you, you look at the way they dealt with you and the opportunities that it gave you and the, the different types of games that you played in and different sorts of positions. And you start to realise that, they, you know, that these guys knew their stuff back then. Mm. And, you know, you're talking about knowing their stuff back then. So obviously, you're talking about your time there at Derby County, obviously. Moving forward, you know, you spent a large part of your playing career at Chesterfield and you know, later went on to Portsmouth and, you know, other clubs such as Mansfield Town and as you touched on then and then Alfreds and Town. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest things that you picked up for your playing journey that really helped you, I guess, break into that environment and sustain a career in that environment? Um, it's a tough, you know, I mean, I wasn't a brilliant footballer, um, but I managed to sustain a career um, in sort of League One, League Two, a little bit in the Championship. Mm. for 15 years and that's not an easy thing to do it's certainly yeah. not an easy thing to do back then um, you're always um, you know the nature of, of, of football is that there's not a lot not a great deal of certainty in terms of where you're going to be mm-hmm. everything is dependent on the result and your performance um, and, and staying in the team so um, you know I was at Chesterfield like you said for, for six years with a fantastic manager a guy called John Duncan who who again was a huge influence on me as a person and in terms of my career. Um, but, but you know, I managed to stay in the team and I did have a number of injuries. Um, had to get back, felt I had to get back from those injuries really quickly in order to stay in the team, in order to sort of, um, you know, get another contract at the end of the season. So you're always, you know, you're always, um, you're bouncing back from setbacks consistently and you're always, you know, scrambling to be... Uh, Scrambling to be in the team, scrambling to be to, to, to be wanted. So it's you know it's a, it's a it's a tough environment. Certainly lower down where you're not earning the the types of money that you know the top players do these days. Where mm. you do if, if if you do you know it's it's more survival. So I mean you know if you're playing for Manchester United um, and you, you know your your career ends through through injury, you, you're you're able to look after your family for the rest of your career. That's not the same. That wasn't the same for us playing at that level so you know it's yeah it's survival it's 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 um yeah it's a different it was it was a different sort of world I guess playing lower league football it was it was brilliant it was fantastic you know I'd made some unbelievable friends um played in some great teams developed you know developed some really good relationships with people that you know I I still you know I still speak to today Um, Yeah, it was a great, great time, and I, you know, I really enjoyed the competitiveness, the battle. Um, yeah, and it really sort of, sort of shaped me as a person, I guess. Uh, I guess growing up. And you know, you've got to touch on there before. You know, towards the back end of your journey, you're starting to wind down in your playing career, wanting to play as lo- you know as long as possible. In terms of that, um, delving into the academy of football, having a bit of experience now at Loughborough University, but then things really changed at the back end of that time at Loughborough, didn't they? Uh, yeah, well, I was at Loughborough for, uh, I think, four years. So, again, um, 
uh, it was my first full-time coaching job. Yeah. All, all I knew was my uh, was my experience of playing. Mm-hmm. Played like you said at, at Chesterfield for a number of years. Had some some decent success actually. Played in a really good team with some really good players. So was influenced by, you know, the likes of Kevin Davis, um, that you'll probably know. Sean Dyche was in our team for you know four years. So got to know Dyche pretty well. So I played with some really good players and, and, and sort of learned a lot from, from those people. Um, and then at Portsmouth, um, I was fortunate enough to play with some, again, some fantastic players. I can remember a guy called Robbie, Robert Prozinetsky that you, you might know. Mm. Um, I played with Paul Merson for a period of time. Eddie Howe was in that, in that group. So again, going into my first full-time coaching job at Loughborough, um, I didn't know a lot about coaching. Well, I knew a little bit about and surviving in football mm-hmm. and, and, and obviously those guys had, you know, had, had influenced my, my views on, you know, on what that should be. Um, so yeah, so yeah the, the, Loughborough, the Loughborough job was, was, was again great because it was for me to, to, to learn really, learn on the job. It was out of the firing line in terms of, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to get sacked if we, if we lost three games. Um, I was able to, to really experiment with my coaching experiment with my selection. Um, I made loads of mistakes in terms of dealing with young people, um, in terms of setting teams up, in terms of my organisation. But again, I think it was it, it, it was it was great because it allowed me to work things out for myself. Yeah. And that that's a really positive thing, working things out for yourself. But um I suppose there are drawbacks in that in that, in that you you know you are on your and and uh, you, you don't really have uh, many people there to to sort of bounce ideas off and and, and set you straight. Definitely, and you see touching there, and you see spending four years at Loughborough. Yeah. And then you know when the time came to another Loughborough, you, you know you had a, a real, I guess, change of uh, environment, didn't you? Yeah. No, I I, I was at, like I said, I was at Loughborough um, four years. We were really successful. We we um, in, in terms of results, we we you know we we. We managed to win the British University's title on a number of occasions. Um, we were successful because, you know, in, in other ways, because the, the, the purpose of the programme was always to develop um, people and to give people and footballers opportunities in, in the game, either as players or as, um, you know, or, or in the industry. So Kieran McKenna, for example, he was, a, he was at Loughborough as a student and he was, um, you know, he had an opportunity to coach our second team, so he coached the second team for a number of years. I also coached with Kieran at Forest when I eventually moved on to Forest. So it, it was a, a real sort of development environment at Loughborough. Um, so we did have a number of you know loads of successes in terms of results, but also in terms of you know providing opportunities for people to get back into the game. Um, but like you said, at the end of that four years, I felt um, I felt I needed a different challenge. Um, I was keen on getting back into the professional game, back to you know, where you know, back, back to the sort of cutthroat professional game where I felt that you know I was, I was able to make an impact. So I I, I took an opportunity to, to take a job abroad in in, in a place called Antigua. Um, I don't know if you know where Antigua is, but it was in the Caribbean, so it was a bit of a dream job when someone mentioned it was a, you know, they were after a technical director. So I, I applied for this. I didn't really apply for the job. I was afforded this opportunity to go out and do a job in Antigua as the technical director. And part of that job was going to be not only to sort of look after the but also to um, also to run a team. We had a, a development team called the Antigua, or the Antigua Barracudas. So mm. the general secretary on the island um, had thought it was um, to have a development side um, that would help develop players um, to play in the national team to be able to qualify for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Antigua Barracudas played in uh, a league called the USL in the States. It was a professional league, um, sort of tier below the, the MLS. Some really, some really good teams, some great organisations. So I was in Antigua. I was the technical director, looking after the national team, looking after the the under-23s team, looking after football development, looking after coach education, but also coaching this professional team in, the, in, the, in a professional league in the States. So, you know, it was, it was quite a job, quite a job. 
But what would you say were the biggest differences that you saw from going into that environment, you know, across the across you know, into another continent, as opposed to what you'd experienced over here, both from a playing perspective as you know, and also then coaching later on. Yeah, I think there's. I think um, you know, football's football in in any part of the world. In that, um, you know, the game's about um, the game's about team. It's about brotherhood. It's about um, getting results. So, so the people in Antigua were were, were you know so in love with the game, and so. Um, on doing well and performing and winning games, so you know that football language, that football feel, that that love of the game. I don't think was was much different from anywhere else that I've um, you know that I've that I've come across football. Um, the differences, um, the, the the players were were different and had slightly different motivations. So football for. Um, some of the guys on the island was 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 a job, um, and um, this was an opportunity for them to, uh, I, I suppose, move from, you know, the, the the clubs in their local communities into you know into into the, onto the international stage. So, again, one of the purposes of this this development program was to give young people on the island an opportunity to, you know, to make a living from football. And, and that might be overseas, that might be in the States, that might be in Europe, that might be in the UK. So um, in order for those guys to, to be able to to do that, we needed to climb from, um, I think when I first started, I think we were 130 odd in the world. We needed to be in the top 70 so that these players would be able to get a permit, a work permit to play overseas. So that was always the, you know, that was the real broad um, motivation of the programme. And the mm. saw that, so, you know, I mean, the government supported us as well. So we wanted to give young people on the island an opportunity to, yes, to be successful for the island, for the team, but also to to, to have an opportunity to, to, to gain a living from the game overseas. So, so yeah, that, that was, again, one of the, the, the motivations of the programme. Um, so I guess that was different. Uh, you know, it, it was a real, you know, a real, you know, people had a real drive to be successful in order to, to have an opportunity that they perhaps wouldn't have, um, you know, if it wasn't for football. So that was one difference. Um, I'm sorry. So, no, no, that's absolutely fine. And you touched on the obviously that was with the anti. You know, you started off with the Antigua Barracudas, but you actually ended up going on to coach the national team as well, didn't you? Yeah. So, I, like I said, it was a sort of dual role. So we we had the yeah. Barracudas played in the USL. That was in the summer. Yeah. So we play um, for, for for maybe four or five months where the USL would run, and then in the winter. We do the um, we we do the um, the World Cup qualification. Mm-hmm. So when I first landed on the island, I said I, I I met Gordon, a guy called Gordon Derrick, who's a general secretary, to try and get a feel for for for, for what he was after in terms, you know, what, what what the job would be and you know what his um, what he he would he, he would feel that you know success would be for me. And I remember going into his little office in St John's, and I said, Gordon, what you know, what's the aim? What's the you know, and he said, "Coach, we want to win the World Cup." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and he was deadly serious. This guy, you know, he's serious. He he, he wanted to win the he, he wanted to win the World Cup. Um, so uh, you know, all that all all that stuff about providing opportunities and 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 giving you know guys an opportunity to make a living. Yes, yes, that was definitely true. But Gordon wanted to win. You know, he wanted to win the World Cup. So, but part of that. Was 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 always going to be to to sort of qualify for the World Cup, and it was a you know a, a, clearly a big thing for for anyone in the Caribbean, the small nations, to qualify for the for the World Cup. So we set out on this this journey to to, to qualify. I was there for two years, and we were trying to qualify for the World Cup um, 2014. So um, we we ended up being really again really successful. We 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 managed to get to the last twelve of Concacaf. So Concacaf have have three, maybe four um, spots for World Cup qualification. We got to the last twelve of that qualification, which is something that the island had never ever been anywhere near um, before. So yeah, we were we were successful. We played um, first round of qualification. We played we played we played Haiti. We played a, a Curacao. We played the U.S. Virgin Islands, and we managed to get through and qualify at that group. So. 
you know, to put that in perspective, Antigua was an island of maybe about 100,000 people and mm. an island of maybe 7 million people with actually a pretty um, decent resource of players. Haiti have qualified for the World Cup before. A lot of their players are playing in the French First Division. So they had a real, you know, decent um, pool of players that they could, they could call upon. So it was a real success for us to get through that stage to beat Haiti. Um, yeah. You touched it, you know, you spent two years there. Yeah. Why, did, why did that time come to an end? Is that because maybe you got, you know, because you ended up talking about wanting to qualify for the 2014 World Cup? Yeah. Um, getting to that last 12 of the thing, obviously, the qualification had kind of seized in that respect. Um, yep. In 2012, you actually ended up leaving that role, didn't you? Yeah, we didn't quite make it. So, um, we, like I said, we, we, we got to the last 12. Um, we ended up playing against, the, you know, U- USA. Jamaica, um, Guatemala. So again, some really big nations, far far bigger pools of players than than, than our island. And we, you know, we, we performed well, um, but we didn't quite make it to to, to the World Cup. Um, two years had, had come to an end. I'd been away from my family for for two years. I got two young children, so you know, it would come out and, and see me um, every every couple of you know every six weeks. They'd come out, or I'd come back. So we managed it like that. It wasn't easy but we, we eventually you know we managed it um so yeah I, I felt i had to come back to the, the this this country really to yeah to get back into the professional game in in the uk but also to you know for family reasons um that that, that was really some of the you know one of the motivations i guess for coming back yeah so you've, you've come back now 2012 and you've ended up taking over the academy manager role at bristol rovers yeah 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 no bristol again like i i um Again, I mentioned football. You, you, I've always tried to be in work, um, so so managed had, had an opportunity to to take the the Bristol Rovers academy manager's job in, like you said, I think it was two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen, right at the beginning of E Triple P. I can remember having a Skype interview with the chief executive at the time uh, for Bristol Rovers. I was in Antigua, um, and, and I was speaking to the guy from Bristol Rovers, and he said to me, do you know anything about the ECCC? And I said, um, I said, oh, yeah, I think it's something about uh, more contact time, isn't it, for the for the players? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's what that's that's what it is. And we sort of moved on really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I saw, again, I landed in, 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 in Bristol right at the beginning of, of, of right. ECCC, and I can remember meeting Bob Bloomer, who was the, the uh, Football League representative in my first week, and him explaining, you know, Exactly what we were going to need to do in order to maintain our funding, and I thought, blimey, what have I left my, let myself in for here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was again challenging time, brilliant time, but again, loads of learning for me and loads of learning on the job. And just you know, within that time, there's been a couple of years there. Um, would you mind just going into a bit of detail around the specifics? You know, for those for those that aren't too sure about what exactly an academy manager's job entails. Right. Okay. So I, when I landed, I didn't know. I, I, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what it what it entailed at all. Um, I've all, I've always felt I've been pretty good with people. Um, I've always felt that I'm um, I'm able to help people progress. That's a big passion of mine. You know, developing not only players but coaches and people. So um, in the back of my head, they they were the the sort of broad things that I was was keen to get involved in. Um, in terms of logistics, I had. I think I had set, we had seven full-time staff. We had around 35 part-time staff. We had maybe 18, 20 scholars who would be full-time. And then we had um, maybe maybe 15 players per age group from nines through to through to 16s. And I was responsible for all those people, um, the development of all those people, um, writing the syllabus, in terms of um, technical, tactical, physical, social, psychological development, um, but also um, putting together what, what what we called an academy performance plan, which would which would talk about everything really. You know how the logistics of how the academy was going to run, the safeguarding measures we had to put in place. Um, you know everything that that I guess you, you know everyone on the call I guess would would, would know about now that I knew nothing about then. So I, I you know I. I managed to um, copy um, things that other people had done. I managed to, you know, get advice from from my own sort of personal network. Um, the football league, Bob Bloom, was always a really important 
person in terms of help. Um, a guy called Christian Speakman at Birmingham was very helpful as well. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was a job really in a nutshell. I think for two years I was, I was doing a lot of work on putting a structure together so that, so that everyone could do their jobs. And that, yeah. and that was my version of the academy manager's job at that time. Definitely. So having spent a couple of years at Bristol, yeah. uh, academy manager, you've now you know, embarked on a new challenge and, and you know, got involved with the FA. Now, how did, where did that, how did that come about? And you know, what were the, you know, I think you've been through a couple of different roles in your time at the FA. Yeah. Where did that start? Um, well, yeah, I mean, when I was at, uh, at Bristol Rovers, um, I came into contact with a guy called Geraint, Geraint Tews, who you, 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 your, your listenership will probably know, who's a fantastic guy, really, again, really influential guy in my, in my career, really knowledgeable, outstanding coach developer. Uh, I think he's doing some work at the moment with the, the England ladies team. Uh, great coach, great guy. So he was, he was our FA YCD. Um, so he, the, the, the coach developer that the FA would, would provide for, for, for every club. And he, he worked at Bristol Rovers and he mentioned that, you know, a role might be, a, a role might be coming up similar to his at the FA. Um, so I applied um, spoke to a guy called Jamie Robinson and uh, a guy called Richard Hudson, who were, who were in charge of the program at the time. And I was, again, I was fortunate enough to be able to to, to, to take that job on. Um, yeah. The, the Bristol, the Bristol job again in terms of logistics for me and my family. I was based in the Midlands, so I, I was, you know, I was travelling down to Bristol in the week and staying there in the week and then coming back. So it was again, it was quite difficult, quite challenging. But I want to make sure I finished that, you know, did the job. To, to the to the best of my ability, I felt that the the club was in a decent position, so I took that this this opportunity to to take a um, really exciting role. So I was an FA, I went in as an FA YCD, a youth coach developer. Um, again, I, I, a bit of a trend here, but I didn't really feel I was much of a coach developer. <laughs> I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. I didn't really about the job. Um, I thought, right, well. You know, I've got some some experiences. Hopefully, that'll align to the job. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll prepare. I felt I felt I was you know pretty well prepared. But obviously, I didn't I didn't know the intricacies and the detail, and you know I didn't know what get you know what, what who's you've been through to get to that role and to be able to be so successful in clubs. Mm. So I went in and 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 started the FA, and it's been a real sort of learning a learning journey for me ever since I've been there. I suppose coming up to five years now, and it's like being it's like being at university in the sense that you're working with some really great people, some really interesting and knowledgeable people from different backgrounds, and you're learning all the time. And part of the role would be to pass on that learning and help other people, and um, with their coaching, with their you know their development philosophies. Um, so that's now back in 2014. Yeah, um, starting off a youth coach developer. Now, a lot of changes in in the coach education pathway uh, from that time till now. You know, it's only been six years, but there's been massive changes in in the way things are being done in terms of the delivery of the courses and yeah. how they're being assessed. Um, a lot of coaches who I've maybe spoken to, you know, I've had conversations with in recent months, and you know, around that is there's uh, so there's loads of positives in terms of there's you know they've kind of taken away this pass or fail assessment process or this the element of it and it's much more an ongoing process um how do you feel about that in terms of uh or rather what are your thoughts on that in terms of it being progressive towards coach development or do you feel that there's still, that there's still some things that they're missing out um i think it's um i think the courses have uh, I, I guess tried to address the nature of the people that are coming on these these courses, the A license, for instance, when I did my license back in, I think it was 2003, 2005, was it was all it, it all seemed to be people that had been through, you know, some sort of playing journey, that had some sort of experience of of playing football as a professional, as a as a non-league player. Um, the the age, generally, again, this is this is my sort of general take on it. It seemed to be that people were, you know, had a previous experience of. Of, of, of football, they were perhaps going to go on to work in in performance, either as a manager or as a coach at first team level. Mm. The, the the course, I guess, was tailored to the needs of those people. 
Um, and there were loads of benefits, by the way, of, the, of, of that, that course. I took that course with, um, with, with, with John Peacock, with Martin Hunter, with Kenny Swain, you know, three absolute heavyweights in terms of coach development, brilliant people, fantastically knowledgeable, and took loads and loads of stuff from them in terms of organisation, in terms of knowledge of the game, in terms of, you know, working with players, some, some great, great stuff. Um, I suppose what the FA have tried to do is now with, I suppose, a different um, demographic of people potentially coming on the courses. And that's not to say that, you know, ex-players and people with previous experience of, of football aren't coming onto the courses, but the, but perhaps, you know, it, it, it's changed a little bit in terms of people coming on, on the course. Certainly, most of the people coming on the course are now working in development and in the UPPP. So, so, so their job, I think, is slightly different to the people that were on the course in 2003 when they were going to go on and, and you know, work it as you know, a, a manager or as an assistant coach, getting results. I think now the majority of people on the courses are, are working in development football. So the nuances of, of, of coaching and um, you know, practice design and, and, and the way that you work with players is slightly different. So I think what the FA have tried to do is address that, 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 that difference. Definitely. What would you say to those coaches? Who, you know, because actually touching this, you know, a lot more around development now um, in terms of the, I guess the types of learners you're going to get on these courses. And there's in previous times there's probably been a lot more focus on the technical and tactical aspect of things that probably will tie a lot more into the performance aspect of things too. Now, with the way things have gone, you know, there's a lot more emphasis around working on a blended approach or across the four corners and holistic player development. Now, a lot of coaches would you know, shared their frustrations with me in the past that there's maybe less, seemingly less em emphasis, uh, particularly from a tutor delivery perspective around the content regarding the technical, tactical stuff. And, you know, in, pre in previous years or um, courses, you know, there'd be that probably one of the main motivations for people to go on the course and try and develop and, uh, yeah. I guess, extend their like, in those areas. Of, what would you say to those coaches who may be feeling frustrated at that? And what would your advice be to them to maybe and about how they could go about maybe obtaining and getting deeper understanding of the technical, tactical stuff. And do you even agree with that, 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 that being the case? Uh, whew, lots, of, lots of questions. Yeah. Uh, I think when I first started at the, at the FA, my, uh, the, 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 the main thing that I was doing was delivering the youth award. Right. The youth award in, in clubs. And the model of um, coach development, which I'm, you know, really passionate about is is a combination of some central delivery, where groups of coaches will come in and work. Um, at the you know, maybe there's some there's some a download of information. So there may be some presentations, there may be some, you know, some sessions where people would either be involved or or be able to observe. But yeah. that was also that was augmented. That would be augmented by some support in situ. So my personal view is that you know context is critical when you're when you're working with players so you can talk about all the things you want to talk about on the course but the critical thing is the critical thing for coaches that are coming on the co courses is well what does it mean for me in my environment with my players how am I going to use some of those principles concepts whatever that I've talked about on the course with my players because your job is as a development your job is to make those players better yeah so um, yeah. that, that that that's the that was the model of, of a sort of coach development, and I think that is a fantastic model. Um, and the, the you know the people on, that have joined that FAYCD program have been brilliant at you know uh, developing relationships with coaches in and clubs in clubs to be able, uh, you know get out there and sort of question and support and you know, be a critical friend for coaches, that are, you know, trying to develop and trying to make themselves better, but also make the, the players better in their own environment. So I think that, that that particular model has been 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 fantastic. In terms of the, 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 the content of the course, um, I think there's a misconception that maybe that youth award wasn't technical and tactical. Um, my own view is, you know, if you look at, I suppose, module two specifically when... You, it's about, you know, the course is about developing the practice and practice design. Um, and, you know, we talk about the practice spectrum and benefits and trade-offs from practice and, um, 
you know, challenges and and that, and that sort of thing. I, I personally think that's really a really tactical, technical uh, portion of the course. You, 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 in order to design a particular, you know, design a practice and be um, very clear on the the benefits from that practice, you have to know the eleven side game. This would be my view. Mm. You, you can't not know the game before you design a practice to get a certain thing out of it. So I think if you look really deeply at that, that module two and that youth award, I think flipping out, there's, there's loads of tech tack and stuff in there. Um, so that would, that would be one thing. I suppose the, the other thing is what is the purpose of a course? But I, I think it's fairly, you know, I, I don't think it's possible for a young coach to go on the course and learn everything there is to know about football in seven days. Just doesn't. Sure. <laughs> I think, yes, there should be technical, tactical. And I do believe that the, the, the courses should be about football and football-centric and, you know, all those other bits that are really, um, you know, that all those add-on bits need to be coming from a football point of view. From a, do you understand what I mean? A football, yeah. Football-centric. But um, the purpose of a course, I guess, would be it, it's to uh, again my own my own feeling is it, it's to stimulate someone to go away and think right I really like that I'm going to go and find out a little bit more about that I'm going to look at the game in a slightly different way there's yeah. a chance to really enhance my own knowledge about football um, it should be the courses should be inspiring they should be exciting um, they should be um, you should, you know, you should, you should, you should be going back down that driveway at St George's Park, thinking, oh, I can't wait to get back and try this and think about this." I think that that is should be that that for me is what the courses should be and have been about in in, in a lot of cases. Like I said, the, the people that are delivering these courses are, are, are great, and that certainly is something that people have been been, been working towards. Definitely. Similarly, just moving on now. So you started off as a youth coach developer. Yeah. Um, now currently working within the national, I guess, youth teams. How did that come about? You know, what was the transition from, I guess, going from coach developer to that? Yeah, I, I don't think the, the, the roles are that different. Um, I suppose the only the only thing is now I get I get more of a chance to work with the players uh, mm. when they're in on camp. So there's a bit more sort of contact with the the players, which is again, which is something I'm really excited about and something that really. Um, you know, it's, it, to be able to work with the, the the best players in the country from, um, you know, some of the best clubs in the world with some of the best coach developers in, you know, co- sorry, um, best developers in the world working with these players is a real honour, and and it's so you know it's so exciting. Um, how did it come about? I was working as a coach developer at an FAYCD. Um, I was afford, again afforded an opportunity to support um, one of the coaches who were just started at the FA, a guy called Kevin Betsy, who, who, who took on the role as under-15s coach. Um, the, the model was that there wasn't a full-time assistant coach at, at that um, in that age group, and I was asked whether or not you know, I'd be keen on doing it, and of course I took that opportunity with, with, with both hands. So that's sort of where it came about. I would, I, I'd done both of those jobs for sort of three years, so I'd be helping Kev and then Justin, when he came in with the under-15s, but also um, managing my own clubs, as well as managing some of the guys that were working in the Midlands. So, um, yeah, good again, number number of different jobs, all really, really exciting in their in their own way. Um, but yeah, the jobs, the, the job was it not that much different, but I suppose it would give me um, um, a, diff, a slightly different perspective on 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 working with players. I felt. I felt actually it would enhance my ability to be a coach developer and maybe help coaches working in their own in their own context. So because I was a bit closer to it, you know, I was I was designing sessions myself. I was dealing with, you know, the old the, the same issues that were coming up in clubs. Um, yeah, so that that's sort of what, how it came about, and that's sort of where I am at the moment. So, you know, I'm, I'm currently working with with Justin Cochran with the under sixteen team. Um, yeah, again, really fortunate, really fortunate to work with Justin. He's an outstanding coach, outstanding developer, outstanding person. Him as well as 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 well as Kev. Um, so what we're doing at the moment, and we still, you know, we 
we talk all the time and we speak to Justin pretty much every day about about players, about practice, about what we're going to do next, about, you know, all those things that, you know, the, the, the coaching community, I guess, are, are talking about as well. So really exciting time. Brilliant. And, you know, just want to kind of come back to yourself a bit and your journey and your development. You know, I was wondering if you've had any, throughout, you know, both from a playing perspective and from a coaching perspective, um, any major influence possibly in the form of mentors or whatnot and some of the biggest lessons that you've maybe taken from those situations? Yeah, I mean, again, I've, I've been in the game now for, for a number of years and worked with some fantastic people. I haven't man mentioned a guy called John Duncan yet, who, um, he was my manager at Chesterfield. Um, he allowed me to, um, when I was at Chesterfield, I, I, well, I actually got released from Derby County when I was 20. And um, I, I applied for university. So I applied for Loughborough University in that, in that summer, managed to get a place. Um, was about to sort of start at university when I um, I had a trial for Chesterfield and, and Chesterfield offered me a contract. So I had the choice now to make, did, did I go to university to Loughborough or did I sign for the Chesterfield? I had another offer actually from, from Burton Albion. So I could have gone and played for Burton Albion part-time whilst I was, because Burton at that time were in the, were in the conference. Uh, could I go and play for Burton part-time and also study at, at Loughborough here to do both worlds um but john john allowed me to you know to to play part-time for chesterfield so for three years i was i was playing professionally in league one for, for chesterfield but actually i was a i was a full-time student so um I, i'd um i turn up for training on on friday mornings we, we go through the set plays and i play saturday um and then i play and then i play tuesday and then and, and i'd also play for the university team so my my sort of week was my tra my football week would be I play for Chesterfield Saturday. I try and do I try and get some rest on Sunday and maybe go to the library to do some study. Monday I'd be at lectures. Monday night I'd train with the university team. Tuesday I'd be at lectures. Tuesday night I'd go and play for Chesterfield. Wednesday um, I'd play for the university team. Thursday night I'd train with the university team. Friday, a lot going on, isn't yeah. It? Friday I'd go home and rest and see my girlfriend at the time. And then Saturday, I'd be back playing for Chesterfield. So I did that for three years, um, you know, playing in the league and played 150 games in those three years, never got injured. Um, playing, like, you know, and it's amazing, you know, with, with the, you know, people talking about um, periodisation and players doing too much and all that sort of thing. You know, I, I, I was playing, I played 150 games for Chesterfield in those three years, but I better played, I better played 60, 80 games for university as well and trained every day. Mm. So, I mean, I wasn't very good, but I mean, I was playing lots of, I was playing lots of football. But John, John was the guy that um, allowed me to allowed me to do that, and he, you know, he really looked after me throughout my time at Chesterfield and university. I then signed when I finished university for Chesterfield mm. for another couple of years. And this guy is, is was was, you know, he got a lot of criticism at times for being for, for his style of play at times, and but we had so much success, and he really looked after the players. He was honest. He was passionate. He would back you to the absolute hilt. Um, we would do so much organisation. Everybody in the group knew exactly what their roles were. And I think Sean, Sean Deitch, I think he's taken a lot of, a lot of influence from John as well. Um, you know, certainly the best manager um, I, I, I've worked with in my time. And then John, John came with me to Antigua. So he would come across in the for the World Cup qualification and sort of act as a mentor slash assistant coach he also worked with me at Loughborough um, when we had a team um, in the non-league pyramid um, so yeah th th this guy's been 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 great for me throughout and he's you know he, he's guys that, that don't tell you the truth so you, you know you're you're coming off a, a training session thinking that you've, you've you've cracked it and he'll he'll point out a few things in a in a really good way the things that we can do better mm. and he's one of those guys that I always want to try and impress you know, I always want to try and I want to try. Uh, it's like my dad. You know, I always I always want to try and you know make him done a good job. And yeah, he balances that. You know, that praise with also saying, "Yeah, you did that well, but can you do this even better?" And I think everybody needs that sort of that sort of stretching. Yeah, and, and John's been that person for me. I think throughout throughout me throughout my coaching journey. Brilliant. And you know, you touched on there a bit about, um, I guess 
wanting to maybe push on for some of those motivations for people like John, like you know, touched there, your father, and obviously earlier in the conversation you talked about wanting to or developing a mindset in the, in the values for, I guess, wanting to finish things off. I think you, you, when you're referring to your mum and her wanting you to stay in your studies when you started off at Derby, Derby County. Um, just kind of building on from that, what, what would you say are some of the things that help to keep you inspired and motivated to keep achieving and becoming your best? Um, yeah, I, I think I always, I, I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, maybe my mum, maybe John, maybe my dad. <laughs> I want to do a good job. So um, I'm a fairly um, driven person. Uh, not fair, I'm a pretty driven person. I don't like doing nothing. You know, lockdown's been really difficult. So I'm sat in the front room. Um, I'm, I'm sat in the front room, not doing nothing. I'm finding things to do. I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can in terms of, you know, the projects I've got going on, speaking to people, planning. Um, so I'm not doing nothing, but sometimes I feel... I feel like I'm doing nothing because I'm sat down. So I've always been a bit of a doer. Yeah. I've always been that sort of, that sort of person. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of keeping motivated, um, I think that comes from within, certainly. But again, I, I guess the nature of the jobs and the challenges, you know, I, I'm a footballer. I want to win. Um, I've always wanted to win. I've always wanted to do well. And that sort of, I think that's transferred into my into my work ethic. So if someone gives me a a, a presentation to do on a course, I I, I want to make that the best I can make it. Mm. So um, you know, if, if someone asked me to put a session on for the England under 16s, I want to make that the best I possibly can. Um, if Justin asked me to do a quiz for the 16s to get them, you know, have a have a good night, I'll do that the best I can. Um, you know, it's not always not always. Other people might not always think it's brilliant, but I always try and throw myself into into things as, as best I can. Um, you know, I'm passionate about other people and 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 developing people. Um, I think, you know, all 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 coaches will have a love of working with you know young people and trying to make them better and trying to um, allow them to feel fulfill potential. Mm. I think it's a really exciting thing for me to have experienced working with national teams. Um, the, the, you know, the potential in these young players, you know, the, the guys come in at sort of 14, 15, 16, and the enthusiasm, the potential, the excitement, the humility, um, the talent, it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to, to, to experience when you're, you know, when what you're watching these, the, these guys play football. And they're so good. You know, you, 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 it's a real reflection, I think, on on the expertise of coaches in this country and the development programs of the clubs. That I, I'm, I'm, I mean, every year I've been doing it what for four years now, working with the youth development phase, and every year I'm sort of flabbergasted about how good these these guys are at football. Mm. Um, I mean, I I made a living in the game as a as a you know a pretty dour central midfield player that would. You know, could make a tackle, and you probably wouldn't want to, want to play against me. But didn't have loads of loads of talent and ability, and you know. The, the, but the, the guys that are coming into the into the into the England program, crikey me, they're good. And and I guess that's one of the things that that, that keeps me going and keeps me motivated, definitely. Definitely. So you know, kind of moving away from the positive aspects of things. You know, we've all got them. Um, you know, you've been working and coaching for a little while now. And obviously, worked in the game for a lot longer. What would you say one of your biggest bugbears are when it comes to coaching? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure about a bugbear. Um, I think everybody, I think there's an honesty across the, you know, for, for the majority of time, I've worked with a lot of coaches from um, from lots of different clubs um, and lots of people in football. The, the vast majority of people in football um, are, you know, have a, have a real honesty. In them, and what I mean by that is that everyone's trying their best to um, to make the players make their players better. Yeah. And so, sometimes I'll I'll disagree in terms of the way they're, you know, the way people are, are, are trying their best. But I do think that um, you know certainly when you're working for the FA, we need to be enormously respectful of everyone's views, yeah. and everybody is trying their best, and there's a real honesty to that. 
Um, so bugbear, I'm not sure that's the right, for me personally, I'm not sure that's the right language. Um, my, I suppose my coaching philosophy would be, um, I, 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 I think the role of a coach is, in many cases, a role of a facilitator. So I'm not, I think, you know, I think there is time to, you know, to download information and to, and to, and say, look, you've got to do this or you've got to do that. And this is important. But I do think that um, coaching, certainly development coaching is providing opportunities for players to practice and for players to work on their strengths and develop their own particular style. Um so that's so that would be my view, I suppose, on development coaches and that coaching. And that doesn't mean to say that you know I'll never give instruction and I'll never say, look, I want you to get yourself on the half turn, I want you to get yourself low down, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Yeah. But I think fundamentally, um, it's not about the coach; it's about the players. I think that's the the, the most important, I suppose, the pillar of my my coaching philosophy and and what I'll try and um, influence coaches I'm working with is is that everything that you do is centred around the players. All your actions will have an influence on those people in front of you. And whatever you say and whatever practice you put on, you know, your fundamental aim is to make those players in front of you better at football. Definitely. Tom, I'm just going to have to pause you there for two seconds, mate. I just need to... My, my little one's just... Um, no. I just need to get no, this part. Yeah. Give me two seconds, sorry. Yeah, they're on this call, so I'll be another half an hour or something. I think maybe. Are you ready? Yeah. Get yourself together. Yeah. Well, Megan doesn't know that you think she's the thing coming half after ten. Yeah. Sorry about that, Tom. That's all right, mate. No, no problem. You sorted her out. Uh, yeah, the little one. She's, she's, he's just, he's basically, he's teething at the moment. He's uh -huh. just having his nap, but just to give him another bottle. Um, right. So we'll pick up from where we left off. Um, and obviously I'll edit this bit out. Um, so you know, you talk obviously about the, the language of bugbear, and I totally understand where you're coming from. Because I think sometimes you can put a negative connotation on things and that. Um. Every, I think it's important, the important thing is to understand everyone is different. I think we'll all have different challenges that we face within our coaching environments. Yeah. Um, and it'll be obviously underlying reasons as to why we behave in certain ways. Oh, yeah. um, just kind of building on from that, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced in your coaching journey? Um, and you might still be going through them, but if you haven't, um, or you have, how have you been able to go about dealing with them? Um, challenges, in, in, I suppose, um, I suppose in terms of challenges, uh, for me personally, um, finishing football was a big challenge. So finishing playing, um, and that that transition from playing into coaching wasn't um, wasn't an easy one. Um, you know, I'd finished I'd finished after 15, 16 years playing professionally. You're thrust straight into coaching, and you know the inference is, well, this guy knows a little bit about coaching and a bit about football, so let's give him a coaching job. And um, you know it's it's difficult. You know the, the, the you you put practices on that you've been involved in before. You put practices on that you, you quite like, but I don't I don't think you always know the reasons why you're putting those practices on and what the returns from those practices are. And 
mm. you know, the way that you deal with players, you don't really have a, an appreciation of what sort of impact that has on those players. Um, so I think that's always been, um, that, that was a difficult, well, it's, it's conti- and it continues to be a difficult thing um, in, in terms of challenges and moving, moving forward. So I, you know, I had a lot of, lot of help from, uh, from Toosie and from Jamie Robinson, again, sort of mentors in that respect, um, you know, to, to talk about the influence that me as I as a coach have on the players. And Jamie, Jamie always talks about um, sender receiver. You know, he always he always gets you to think about, you know, that the messages you're sending may not be the same messages that the players are receiving. And you've got to you've got to you've got to always sort of think about you know the the, the sorts of things you say in will be interpreted in a particular way by the people that are listening to you. So I think that is, I think that's a really interesting thing to think about in terms of your coaching. So you might think that, you know, you've cracked it and you put a session on for, I don't know, you're playing out from the back and you've, you've spoken to the, to the goalkeeper about his options and you're really, really clear on what you said and you think, brilliant, I've got all my stuff out. And, but the goalkeeper might not have... You, you, may have interpreted that in a different way or may not have you know understood or so i think i think it's it's really important to to continually sort of check and be consistent and clarity is a really important thing when i think when you when, when you're coaching myself and justin have got um i suppose an ethos in terms of our coaching is in in that will you know we won't be worried about repetition Jamie, Jamie always says, if you, you know, if you think, if you think you're repeating yourself, um, then that might just be a time when the players are starting to get it. So you think you're repeating yourself, but the players, you know, they, the players might not even be starting to get it, or it might. So, so that's 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 a, a, a Jamie thing. Myself and Justin, we we try and uh, we we try and tell the players the same things, but in lots and lots of different ways. So what I mean by that is we'll we'll introduce maybe a concept or an idea prior to to a coaching session. We'll then go and work that, that the, with that thing on the grass. Um, then we'll you know we'll we'll try and reinforce that maybe walking back from the grass to the change room. Um, we'll then maybe go through that again on a Sabutio board. We might look again at the same thing with a still. We might look use some animations. We might put that in a, a pre-team meeting. So I think clarity and consistency is a really important important thing. Certainly something that that has been challenging for me, I suppose, in my coaching journey. Knowing that 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 having that balance between you know moving on, but also making sure that people have got the things that that, that, you, that you've spoken about in the first place. Mm. I think you know just I think it's obviously good to have that blend of uh, approaches and understand that every player does learn differently. So there might be different ways in which you can almost need to skin that cat. Yeah. Um, as we start to wind down, I was just wondering now, going back all those years, you know, starting off as a coach, um, if you had an opportunity to talk to yourself when you first got into coaching, um, what would your message be to yourself in terms of you know, knowing now what you know now? Obviously, it, it, it's a hypothetical. We really can't go back and speak to that person, but just interesting if there was any one, you know, one key bit of information you'd want to give yourself or, or be equipped with, then what would that be? So it's, again, it's a really, a really difficult question. Um, I, I think, like, like, like I mentioned, all all the stuff that I, um, all the stuff that I came into, I wasn't really equipped with the skills to be able to do those jobs effectively at the beginning of that journey. So when I started the Loughborough, didn't know anything about coaching, didn't know a lot about um, practice design, didn't know a lot about dealing with young people. Um, when I went to Antigua, I didn't know anything about the culture. I didn't know anything about the, the motivation. I didn't know anything about, you know, the style of play in the USL. Um, when I started at the FA, um, I, I, you know, I, I certainly wasn't equipped to be, you know, the best national coach or the best youth developer. But, it, 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 you know, I, I learned, I did learn on the job and I, you know, I think that was a that was really beneficial for me, um, I suppose, on reflection. Having said that, you know, it would you know clearly if I knew more back then, I would have been able to do the, do the job much much more effectively and much more um, 
efficiently. But I don't think they are, you know, John McDermott talks about speedy boarding and he doesn't, you know, he, I don't think there are many shortcuts to, um, to being a good coach. I do think that you need to put in the hard hours. I do think you need to learn experience. You know, you have to work in the trenches and you have to make mistakes. You have to, you have to learn yourself. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, I guess so. I mean, it, it's just keep okay, essentially what I take from that. You know, you got to keep doing the basics and just keep keep it going. Just keep working at those basics, not expecting anything extravagant. There's nothing. There's no rocket science involved here. In that, yeah, thing. yeah, it is the simple steps that everyone else is doing. It's just yeah, just staying on top of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, so I think I think I think if coaches have you know got an honesty and a love of the game, they're passionate about. You know, working with people—that is, a, you know, it's an unbelievable start with, with, in coaching. And clearly, coaching is really complex and difficult. And um, but I think the skill of the best coaches, so the best people I've worked with, they have an ability to make all those complex things really, really simple. Yeah. Buy up loads of complex messages in a real sort of simple way, easily understood football language, and people people understand that and go with it. And that that, that you know that's that's what the best people do. And I think we, we all go through that journey of, um, so I've been through that journey myself where, you know, I think I can do it when I'm coming off from, from, from being a footballer. So actually some of the stuff I'm talking about is fairly simple. Some of the practice I'm putting on fa are fairly simple. I go through that, well, that journey of, oh, crikey, this is actually quite complex. So I then go through that, well, I'm making it too difficult here. And I, some of the stuff I've done in the past on courses has been overcomplicated and over, you know, academic possibly. But then come out the other end, and you, you, there's there's a realization that actually, well, in order for people to understand and for people to, you know, to people to do the things you want them to to be doing, then you have to make all that complex stuff really, really simple again. Definitely. But to go through that process, it's that's taken. I mean, I'm not saying I've cracked it now, by the way, by any stretch of imagine, stretch of the imagination. But I think that journey through. Um, you know, through those different experiences, definitely helped me. Brilliant. So, you know, just you know, been at the FA for about six years now. Um, currently working within the youth team setup. You know, I just wonder what's next for Tom Curtis. What do you see happening next for your career, and where would you like to go with it? Um, what's next? I really enjoy the, the the job I've got at the moment. So, working with you know, hugely, like I said, hugely um, proud, honoured. To be able to work with the best players in the country in the in the youth development phase, I, I do really enjoy that phase. Um, certainly, there are, there are different challenges and different phases that you know I, 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 at some point you know like to like to get involved in. Um, but you know, working with players at the cold phase of youth development is, is is something that I'm really passionate about. So if that's you know if that's at the FA, brilliant. If that's at a club, that's also brilliant. Um, but but. But like I said at the, at the start, my, my big passion is is helping helping players get better. I really enjoy sort of seeing people fulfil their their potential, um, but also coaches. You know, I, I really enjoy seeing coaches get better and organisations get better and and people being successful and fulfilling their, their their own potential. So it's hard to say what's next. Do I go into first team? Do I go into club? Do I go into whatever? I'm not sure. It's difficult to say. But all I know is that you know I want to do the best I can at whatever whatever job I'm, 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 I end up in or whatever opportunity I'm afforded. Sure. And, you know, just, again, I start to kind of just finish things up here. I was wondering if, you know, if we give you 60 seconds now to kind of leave the listeners with one golden nugget, what would that be? Um, again, I think, I think I'd have to say, um, no, 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 the, no, John McDermott, still that one off him, no speedy boarding one. Um, you've got to practice, you know, you've got you've got to throw yourself into into the environment of of coaching. So, Derby County. When I was at Derby County as a player, I was working in the community as well. So I'd go out in the afternoons and we'd be working in the community in the community program. So you'd have, you know, you might have fifty kids on a on a on a field, and you might have six balls. You've got to go and coach. You've got to go and put practices on. You've got to make people enjoy it. Um, Antigua on a first first go there. I'm 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 coaching on a cricket ground. I've got to move the goats away to put a pitch on. Um, the numbers are changing. Things are always things are always different when you turn up at a training session. So you've got to become adaptable. Um, 
FA as well, working as FAYCD, there's always something different when you walk into a club. There's always something changing. So I, I don't think for people, you know, aspiring coaches or coaches that want to, you know, progress, I don't think there's any shortcut to getting yourself better. Throw yourself into lots of different sorts of environments. Um, be it, you know, learn how to be adaptable. Uh, learn how to roll with the punches. Sometimes you'll be really successful. Sometimes you won't be. But the important thing, I guess, is to is to get up and try again. Brilliant. Um, just on a final note now, then, Tom. When you, you know, you're 47, you still got a few years left in you, I hope. Um, but when you do finally, you know, come to the end of your career, how is it that you'd want to be remembered as a coach? What would you want your legacy to be? Um, again, not really, not really something I've thought about. Just yeah, just to to have done a good job. Um, and to have been honest and to have been enthusiastic and to have not let anyone down. That that would be that would be it really. Fantastic. Well there you have it guys. Another fantastic discussion again today. Um joined by my special guest Tom Curtis, currently working in the national youth teams with the England England setup. Tom, just on that note, have you got anywhere if the listeners did want to get in touch? I'm not sure if you've got any social media handles at all. Uh yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um I've I don't know what it is. It's, it's Thomas Curtis 7313, I think. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.